Good evening, you are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. We have almost our regular panel with us this week. Uh, first, we have Three Moves Ahead founder, Troy Goodfellow. Troy, welcome to the show. Hello, everyone. And we also have Julian Rabbit Murdoch. Hello. Hey, it's like the Three Musketeers back. How, how rarely does this happen? Very, very rarely. But, you know, where's Tom? Yeah, we, we have a replacement. It's true. We do. Filling in for Tom Chick and Bruce Garrick. Uh, oh, man. No, that's just inviting hate mail for Corey. Um, <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Not that he is replacing or filling in for either of those illustrious pairs of feet. Uh, we have Corey Demiurge-Banks. Corey, welcome back to Three Moves Ahead. <laughs> Thank you. If, if, this is, if this is the Three Musketeers, I'm your squire, right? Is that the guy who like goes and gets you the swords? And yeah, probably but the, dies. So, the problem is you, you, you already ruined it because the thing is musketeers didn't really have squires because a lot of feudalism was See, dying here we go. Idea. Okay, so, so when, when was like the War of 1812 you, you're again? You're our valet. You're our valet. Yes. <laughs> yeah, oh, you're, you're a few centuries late. All right, so oh, Corey God. Jeeves Banks, perhaps, is uh, the way to put I'll it. I'll take it. So our topic today is apropos of a couple conversations I've had with uh, with you, Corey, and, and with you, Troy, and that is sort of the role of fiction and world building in strategy games. So I guess, you know, what, what, what provoked the show this week, actually, was a little discussion slash argument I had with Corey uh, the other day about uh, Endless Space. And it was more argument than discussion, and you were wrong. No, I was very right, but that's <laughs> that's the purpose of the show, though. We will, we will see who was truly wrong. Uh, so one of the one of my uh, complaints about Endless Space, which is a game I enjoyed very much, is that I felt the universe was a little bland, a little lacking in flavor. Uh, didn't really have a good sense for you know what 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 things are like in the universe of Endless Space. And uh, Corey, you didn't think much of that complaint. And I think you went so far as to say that, like, a, a you know, flavor in a 4X strategy game is almost irrelevant. I, I went so far as to say that you were sitting in the room of wrongness and you're just stewing in wrong, I think is what I said. <laughs> um, I, had, I had a couple of complaints with that statement. The first being that I'm not sure it's fair to ding a game on, in a, on a review basis for something that it's not attempting to do. Uh, we can get to that in a second. But the other part that I said was that I'm not so sure that it's fair to to judge a game on on a component that's clearly not the focus of the game. And I don't think narrative, especially in a deep 4X strategy game, of which on this panel I'm not the expert, but I don't think a 4X strategy game needs narrative. We're not looking well, for but- a Bioshock. We're looking for gameplay and mechanics. But there's a difference between narrative and flavor, right? I mean, setting matters, right? You can't just take Shogun 2 and just stick it in Rome and call it the same game, right? The setting matters because it informs your experience of the game. And and I would actually argue that I, I don't think that Endless Space does anything particular to tell you much about the factions or what's going on. But if you look at a game like Sins of a Solar Empire, which doesn't actually do anything to do that either, it does it through art, it does it through the construction of each division or each faction, Um, it does it through the text that you get from some of the, you know, AI that, that, you know, spits back and forth. But there's no fiction. It's not like they write a novel for you to read or even... Uh, 
you know, a page of text for you to read. There's no fiction about that world, but I feel like I have a much better sense of what the Vasari are like or something like that than anything in Endless Space. So I think it's actually a fairly valid criticism that Endless Space doesn't do much to make you care at all about the world that you're playing in. Now, on the other side, I don't really care because it's not why I'm playing that game. So I agree with you on that front, but it does add a certain richness to Sins of a Solar Empire that I find missing in Endless Space. So let's let's back up a second, right? I want to I want to first clear up a couple of things, right? Because I, I, I feel like you, you jumped in, you said that there's no there's no flavor text and there's no uh, character to the world of endless space, and I disagree with that flat out. I think it may not be easy to find, right? But it may be. They ship me a comic they, book I haven't found. Well, I mean, I truly believe that Endless Space is a game that I think they designed the game based around UI first, right? Because the the most brilliant thing about Endless Space is the way it uses its user interface. And it takes a lot of cues from a game like Civ Five. But there is story and, and flavor and universe in this world. You just have to dig deeper into it. It's not like you have Leonard Nimoy narrating that flavor text to you. And that's that's a subtle distinction. I mean, but to, to be fair, I mean, since the Solar Empire when it came out, had almost none of any flavor that's been added since then. I mean, that is a case where the game came out and you had three factions that had minor differences in the tech tree and the ships. And I could be, I'd be damned if I could tell you anything with the backstory of them or who they were or what they looked like or why they were fighting. Now, bit by bit, expansion by expansion, you get more variation, you get more change. It has become more of an interesting world-building type exercise. I haven't dug heavily into endless space yet. I mean, and but this is really a problem that a lot of science fiction games have. I mean, endless space is not alone in this, and the solar empire is not alone. The galactic yeah. civilization, galactic civilizations two, for example. There's another game that comes out with very bland, it's very flat races, yeah. and then uh, bit by bit it gets expanded and improved upon. I guess the question is, what is the place of world building? The, what is the place of world building a strategy game? Because you can't say, well, it's just mechanics or it's just UI or it's just whatever, because if it was, everything would still just be chess. The world people are the world people are stepping into gives them a hook. So the question is, what is the place of that hook? What makes effective world building in a strategy game hook? Comparing things like Warlock and Rise of Legends, you know, and other right. games that didn't quite make it work. And at what point is it just noise you don't really even care about because the mechanics are so interesting? You just want to dig into it. So I guess the so part. I, part I, I, I divvy these games up into two distinct flavors. And I, I do this as a, as a noted non-strategy gamer, right? And people who have listened to the Gamers Jobs Conference Call know that I'm probably the least strategic of all of them, and I probably don't belong in this show. But I do see a division between strategy games that are, are tied to their setting, and that's where the hook comes from, and strategy games that are tied to the narrative. I think that Warlock is tied much more to the narrative in that they have created this, you know, this universe. It's the Majesty universe, right? Yeah, it's adapted to the Majesty universe, yeah. Yep. So so you already have the, there's the idea that there's going to be at least a small percentage of the players of Warlock who are going to know that universe and be able to jump into that, right? And, and, and there's narrative that's already built in there. But then you have a game like Shogun, a game like, I'm going to come back to this multiple times, Civilization, where... It's not so much that you're tied to a story that's going to happen. It's that you're getting more emergent gameplay and emergent story out of the the setting itself. 
And but, I think but that's a, a sp- core difference. But there is a story in Civilization. I mean, the, the difference is Civilization doesn't have to build the world. Sid Meier doesn't have to invent history because it's there and it's assumed. So it's quite different from a fictional universe where you either want the player to be interested or not. I mean, history is, it's a world and it's, it comes p- p- preset. So it doesn't, so it's kind of saying, well... So how do you do that really in cost- space? Well, I'm not saying you do it in space. I'm saying that this is a problem these games have. I mean, if you're going to well, have it, then you have to deal with it. But you can't just say that Civilization is just this very odd kind of game. It's, you know, it's... Okay, compare Age of Empires and StarCraft. I mean, there's two games. But, but, so, but, I mean, but you, you know, Civ is historical, too. I mean, working right. in a historical context, it's like very much like working with an established IP, right? Part right. of the reason why games set in the Warhammer universe automatically feel fun is because we've all played enough or read enough or you know you know whatever enough in the warhammer or the warhammer 40k universe that all of a sudden we're interested automatically right we understand what a space marine is we understand what a tyrannid is um and that is very much like jumping into civilization where it's like you understand roughly what native americans are going to do when they go to war right and obviously part of the fun of civilization is seeing what happens when the native americans take over the entire continent and develop their own you know uh, advanced technologies but but by the same by the same token it's still the same thing where you're working off an accepted right. base the space games anything that's science fiction by definition has to start from scratch because there is no history of science fiction or you have to license a piece of IP and set it in Star Wars, Star Trek, you know, Warhammer 40K, right. some some place right. where we've got an established canon so that you can use all of those great shortcuts you get. Where's the line between starting with a narrative, like starting with an IP and jumping into that or setting up just enough narrative and world that you can jump in and have... You know, and have enough to kind of create your own storyline. That's what I see Endless Space doing, right? I I know you get a little bit of flavor text for each of the, pulling this number out of my ass, seven races that you can choose. And using that flavor text, I have jumped into a, to two or three games and really made my own world out of it. And I, I have stories that I can tell out of that. Rob, this, this question is kind of directed to you. Like you didn't, that didn't seem like it was enough for you. It seemed like you were looking for something that was going to draw you in more than that. So where where is the line? What's what's the acceptable amount that you're looking for? Well, I, I mean, obviously it's not it's not going to be a line, but I think you know, and and it sucks a little bit if you're making a game in this space. But you know, people who've been playing a lot of strategy games for a long time are going to bring their own experiences, past experiences, to the game with them. And so you know, I mean, I you know, I look at a game like Endless Space, you know, where it's you know set, it's a it's a four X, it's a deep space imperial competition game, basically. And so I bring I you know I bring to that game, uh, you know. My, my experiences with the Star Trek universe, the Star Wars universe, but in particular, I bring my experiences with like a game like Alpha Centauri or something, where you know using a very you know you, like there's not a lot of opportunities to really set up a fiction, but the opportunities that do exist, you know, when you unlock a new tech, the type of buildings you use, the flavor text that accompanies each one, your interactions with other uh, faction leaders, all of that stuff is a little opportunity to begin to flesh out the universe. And each one of those opportunities, I kind of feel like Endless Space uh, blows it a little bit. Endless Space is really functional, and I really, I really like that about it. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's sort of the same reason that, uh, you know, Galsiv uh, left me cold for a really long time, or, or games like Elemental. Uh, ended up ended up leaving me cold, is that you, you've got the you've got these things that 
you know, functionally what they do is they change stats. You know, uh, you build this thing, and now your your solar now your solar system uh, produces more industry points, or produces more money, or produces more uh, science. You know, and, and you're just build you built you built basically you know, if you boil it down, you built science widget number two or industry widget number three, and you know, endless space kind of comes close to leaving it at that. You know, I, 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 basically, I'm moving up all these tiers, but I never get a sense for anything really happening. I'm just, I'm just stat buffing, and it, that ends up leaving the the whole experience feeling a little, um, you know, a, a little vacant for me, because then what it just turns into is a really abstract game of imperial competition. You know, well, Here's... why do I, why do I want to beat these guys? Well, he's got a system that I just kind of want to make my border more secure, so I'm just going to take it. But there's no sense of shared history or different cultures or different races. Hell, you can customize your own race, and that just, like, tweaks the stats uh, that you're going to be playing with the whole game. Right. So, that, here's so here's what I up. hear you well, saying. Here's here's how I how I interpret what you're saying, right? And this is... Please tell me if I'm full of bullshit when I say this. I hear you saying that... Al- that this game is not as good as Alpha Centauri because Alpha Centauri, as you would play it, actually had a plot. And 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 that plot would help dictate the things that are happening in the game. Now, I have... <laughs> I'm proud to say, I have played a few games of Alpha Centauri in my time, and I like the plot. But I feel like Endless Space isn't trying to cop that same sort of feel. And so you have to bring more of, I guess, yourself to the game. Did, did you that, just say that the true? game was copying a feel? <laughs> I might have just said it was copying a feel. You have to... I, maybe I did say copying a feel. It's entirely possible. This is really good, Miller. Um, <laughs> what I'm saying is that there's there is a there's a distinct story flow to Alpha Centauri that I don't think a lot of games of its kind have. I think maybe Masters of Orion two did, and that's another reason why people loved it so much. But the fact that that's missing, I don't think should be something that dings endless space. I don't think. I mean, I think the question of narrative and telling a story is kind of a red herring because I can tell stories about all kinds of games, and whether they have a great setting or not. The question is: Is the world a compelling one? Does it make me want to live in this world? Does it want? Make, is there anything beyond the game making me come back to it? I look at something. Here's a, here's a, a really good game that was terrible world building, but it kept coming back to. That's Rise of Legends, uh, RTS, Succession to Rise of Nations. St- with three factions, you know, space Aztecs, Arabian genies, and steampunk Renaissance Italians living on this planet. And there's this fiction that doesn't make a goddamn bit of sense for why these people are on the same planet. And as a world, and each faction was individually interesting. As a world, they tried to tell through their campaign, completely and totally ludicrous. But an amazing game, really good game, uh, gameplay, great UI, excellent systems, great innovations all the way through. But is it a good world-building game? No, it's a terrible world-building game. It doesn't mean it's not, not a good game. It doesn't mean it's not a game I want to come back to. But if you want to talk about, does the strategy game, do I come back to Rise of, Le- Rise of Legends because, wow, I, 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 I want to p- play the Vinci because I really want to see these desert genies spring up and kill jaguar warriors? No, that's not why I play Rise of Legends. It's, it's not the mechanics of the world. You. It's the mechanics. It's, it's, it's a beautifully. I mean, the the art's amazing, and the art is connected to the world building because you can't separate world building from art, right? Because they're kind right. of well, connected. Can you even separate integ- it? But, go ahead. 
Well, I was just going to say, like, and that's the thing. I, I, I think it connects to, uh, you know, the experience of actually playing a game in more ways than just, oh, there's a story. It connects yep. to it through the unit art, through what the units actually do. You know, it might be the story's complete crap, but you've got these different units to play with. I mean, like, I never played the campaign of Age of Mythology, which, you know, I actually hear is a, a pretty good campaign as RTS campaigns go. But I never played it. But it was just, you know, the use of that theme. Uh, and there it's using a ready-made theme, you know, the ver- various, uh, you know, uh, mythologies. Um, right. There it's using that theme to sort of populate the world with, you know, all the different units and what it sort of feels like and how all these things fight. And so when you're, when I think you're going into a, any sort of, like, fictional universe, it kind of behooves you to, you know, you don't have to write, you know, War and Peace, the game or something, where it's like, oh, you know, I'm just going to, you know, world build the shit out of this and tell a great story through strategy games. That's very hard. But world building does pay off in the way it makes a lot of other aspects of the experience um, a little richer, a little more rewarding. It makes, it makes easier, them gel. And, it makes them and gel. It makes understand. them feel like... Yeah, it makes them feel like they they make sense. And I think that's one of the things that I find lacking. I mean, I don't want to turn this into the Endless Space Show, but... Please I, don't. Because I, I actually... Yet. <laughs> well, I, I've really dug it. I've played a yeah. bunch of it. I'm really digging it. But there is a certain randomness to how it feels. Like, why something is down one tree or not. Uh, you know, you know, you get one spaceship upgrade down a tree that you thought was kind of a resource tree, and then you get a weapon upgrade on something you thought was kind of more of an exploration tree. I mean, those things I can imagine have very logical explanations, and four sentences of flavor text would give it to me. And 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 it's not, uh, it's not like a critical flaw of the game, but it makes the whole thing make slightly less sense and requires more suspension of disbelief on the player. And that makes it a little bit less fun. So, would you feel would you feel better if you found like as you're going down the the colony kind of tree in in endless space, and you get like an attack ship, which I think actually happens? Mm-hmm. Um, would you feel better about the the randomness of that sudden reward for your gameplay if there was four lines of text that talked about how the amoebas like suddenly <laughs> discovered derelict you know attack warship technology you know, as they were colonizing you? you, 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 you you say that it that way like and it sounds you, you say it that way and it sounds ridiculous but if the whole thing has been planned out ahead of time so that that actually would make sense in context then yes it actually would make me feel more like i was playing a game that actually had a story and a plot underneath it but it um, but it does make sense cuz if you're playing a, a a faction in endless space that is colonizing heavily you're you're losing a lot of your military ability. And so the game is throwing you a bone and saying, well, you at least get this. You but might that be able sounds to save like, your ass. That sounds like, but that's the stat buffing thing that Rob was talking about. Right. I mean, that's just basically saying, here's a catch up feature because you chose to go this direction. I guess I don't see the problem with that. There isn't a problem as a game. It's fantastic. And it's well balanced with those things. But, okay. you know, but it, it leads it towards being an abstract game. It, well, and, 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 and I, I kind of want, want space I, I opera. My core my space argument opera. is that I don't think there's a problem with the game being abstract. I think it's actually working in the game's favor. I think that was Reiner the core of the argument I had with Rob. Go ahead, Rob. No, I, no, I, I just, you know, I mean, I, I don't necessarily have a problem with, with, with games being abstract, but I'll be honest, in general, I prefer when you've got a nice marriage of, uh, you know, theme and mechanics. Uh, I like it when all that stuff comes together. And, and so, 
I think a lot of strategy games, not just Endless Space, you know, sort of suffer from this problem where it's like, you know, I want to make a game set in deep space because space is cool. But it's not space that's cool. It's sort of the fictional universes we've already encountered that, you know, are set there that are cool. That's what we're sort of buying into. If you just set, like, you know, okay, it's a space game. And what that means is, okay, it's node-to-node movement. Each node is a star system. It's got a bunch of planets in it. You can colonize them and terraform them, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, go have fun in space. Okay, so it's sort of using the theme, but it's not really giving me, you know, it's not really giving me much of a hook. And, uh, you know, I you know I just compare that to a game like, say, uh, you know, like Sins of a Solar Empire, again, you know, is a good example where, you know, every little, you know, every bark that your, you know, ship, say, tells you a little something about, uh, you know, the, the race you're playing. Every technology you unlock, like the Vasari, uh, their tech tree is just you unlocking new new bastard technology, basically, like new ways to be evil with every every I, rung up that ladder. And it's just, I, it I, I it really think cooler. you have to stop comparing this to Sins of a Solar Empire. I really do. I think that's the wrong way to go about this. Okay, you I'll compare, to compare it to Alpha Centauri. I'll compare it... Like, you, you, have to com- you have to compare it to Civilization or Alpha Centauri. Sins of a Solar Empire is like, it's its own thing, right? It's not even really a 4X game, right? If you compare this, uh, this, it, is, this it, is a space-themed is, but... version of... I don't think it is. I, I'm happy to be wrong about that in this podcast, but you have to compare this to something more like Civ, where I think there's a level of abstraction, and you have to add a bit more to it. Like, because because you could, I mean, you could take the game Endless Space, you could take all the mechanics to it, you could take the tech tree, and you could reskin it in a different theme, and it would but, still but, work. See, Corey, you're actually making a different argument for me, right? Because this is actually one of my problems with Civ, right? One of the great things about Civ is that you are effectively writing your own stories on a on a blackboard with familiar pieces. And that's great. That's awesome. That's part of why everybody loves Civ, because you can right. get the Hittites, you know, beating up the Assyrians or whatever. But yeah, actually, that's actually one of my that's one of my biggest problems with civilization as a whole series is the fact that it often feels very mechanical and thin Whoa. and i actually prefer it when i when i get more theme out of it than that all right see now i wish i had like a referee whistle i could like i wish there's a morning <laughs> show. Dude, you need you need a bell because because let's 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 hold the fuck on about civilization <laughs> and its abstraction. Uh, I I think that might have been true certainly with like the first game and the second game. But but Troy, back me up on this. Like I feel hmm. like with Civ Four and Civ Five, the relationship between Civ and its theme changed a little bit. Especially Civilization Five. Like Civilization Five sounds a much more uh, you know thoughtful um, humanist note. Uh, than certainly the early games in that series, and increasingly I do kind of feel like when I, you know, when I fire up Civ Five, I'm not approaching this blank abstract world that just happens to take history as its theme. I'm yeah. approaching kind of a a story like a story of human history, and that might be that might seem like hair splitting, but that's kind of how it feels to me. I mean, the, the first I, two Civs were really like color swaps, more or less. There wasn't a lot yeah, of you know, distinction I, I'm not, between. I'm not suggesting um, that there's no that they're, they're playing, you know. Playing Playing America doesn't mean anything and has no impact. I'm just yeah. saying you compare the thin mechanics of something like Civilization Four versus Fall from Heaven Two, right? Which is the same exact goddamn game under the core, yep. right? And one is telling you a fantastic story with incredibly innovative and crazy fun shit going on, and the other one, Civilization Four. Troy, yeah, I mean it's. 
I was going back to Rob's point, I mean, that, you know, the current civilizations are really good world building because they took a lot of the good lessons from Alpha Centauri, which is, because Alpha Centauri, once again, very familiar world. I mean, it's, but it's not really world building if you really, it's, it's kind of a halfway house of world building, Civilization V. Because, yeah, the world's very familiar. I mean, the, the history is already there. It's Sid Meier and John Schaefer and Soren Johnson didn't invent history. They kind of built something on top of it. What they did do, however, is, you know, give these things personalities. Give the leaders personalities. And you, you, so you know, oh crap, I'm in the same map as Alexander. What does this mean for my world? And that's kind of a world building. Um, taking these random characters from history and plopping them together and giving them personalities and giving them attributes and making them into more than just cities and names in history. These are people you're fighting against. Uh, but I do like to, would like to focus on, you know, because it, it, the history games are kind of weird. And so I really want to sort of throw them, them kind of out of the discussion because they are, cause it's not, it, it, it's easy is what it is. It's easy to write, in fact, it's easy to do a good history game, but it's easy to just say, hey, these are the Romans, you know what the Romans are like, right? <laughs> and that's, and that's, that, that's, because that, that's kind of, what I've, I've interviewed people who've done Roman games, yeah, they, they like doing Rome because everybody knows what a legionnaire looks like and they like the, and everyone likes the colors and they know what sure, colors yeah. to expect, so everything's right there. They look at something like a fantasy-based game. Look at, I mean, you could say that, you know, a warlock, everyone knows the Majesty Universe, but they really don't. Because the Majesty Universe is an RTS, and then there's another Majesty game in between, Defenders of Ardania, which is a tower-based defense game. And then you have Warlock, which has very little in common with Majesty 2 besides the setting and a little bit of the art. Because you're conquering cities and you're researching spells, this entire backstory of mage kings, which is nowhere in the Majesty world. So that is but actually... It's, it's still kind of shorthand as far as like, you know, here are these, tr- you know, fantasy characters, which is different than sure. like trying yeah, to throw yeah. in something like the Cravers in Endless Space that, you know, consume everything yeah, but, and give uh, really sure. very little point of reference. Yeah, I mean, you know, but, but absolutely. But, you know, but fantasy is... You could, it, isn't, it isn't just generic fantasy because there are so many weird things going on. And you could say, you could say that every science fiction game is just Star Trek, and that it's, but it's not. Though there are, you know, or Babylon, it's all Babylon 5 with, you know, fighters and there are carriers and there are larger ships or everything's just Massive Orion if you want to just go down, down that lane. But every good science fiction game puts its own spin on it. I mean, from the first, the first sort of the stars, it took a while for them to get there. But they have, they've built this world that takes, a, once you pay attention to the game, you can see how deep and invested in the world building they were. And Gal Civ, it took a long time, it took, took a long time to get there. I think one of the problems, this is a big problem I have with space games in general, I think this is one reason why it's hard for people to start with the world building. Science fiction games are hard to build worlds in because they're so tech focused. They're so focused on making, getting the ships right because you have all the ship combat, and they want to make the games with the ship combat. So you focus on getting a tech tree going. And that's maybe easier to do, theoretically, but it takes a lot of time, takes a lot of investment in making it special and interesting. So you don't really have time to go into, well, who are these people? Massive Orion, lot shorter development cycle, beginning of the 4X universe, that's kind of an exception. But since then, you have all these games with tech trees focused on making fleets and fleet battles, and so you have ships fighting each other. So the ships have more personality than any of the cultures. That's interesting. Wait, I mean, I, I would think that if I were designing a space game, that's the first place I would start too is the ships. But endless space, actually, like if you dig into the ships and you like, you know, keep redesigning and and 
making new new plans for your ships and go really heavy military, you get a little bit of that. But the combat in this game suffers a little bit. And I actually, I think one there, of the things there that's really, me there about isn't this game, any. There isn't there's, any yeah. combat. It's all I, about it, building your ships. There's, there's, which is there's awesome. a little bit of combat. I, I, our, our friend, our friend Court would disagree with that. He loves the combat in this game. But I mean, what I really like about this is that it's focusing on the other parts of the game. If you want to, like, you can focus on empire building. You can focus on. There's a, a big diplomacy tree in this. The only game that I've won in endless space, I will admit, is because of diplomacy. Um, and so I, I, I feel like you know. And endless space doesn't fall into that trap in a lot of ways. It doesn't. It doesn't just focus on the ships and try to make the ships cool and interesting because they're not. You know, so so just looking at the at the space forex genre as a whole, and it's it was interesting watching endless space come out because it, it was when I started to realize just how how much credit you get in this genre for just showing up and not like shitting your pants, basically. Like, like this is this is something where a lot of people, you know, perhaps since like uh, Moo Two, uh, you know, people are, people are waiting for you know waiting for that really good space four X, and you know each game, you know, there, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of hope built around it, and and it does seem this like is, a, a pardon. This is the sword of the stars two problem. Yeah, a little bit. I yeah. think it's the Masters of Orion three problem. Is really was well, it is, yeah, is okay. That, if you want to go canonical, that, I guess. It, is that people recognize that it's really easy to make a game in the genre that sucks balls. And therefore, I think you're right, Rob, that to some extent, simply visiting the genre gets you a five out of 10. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and, and I think that, I think that that's fair. It is diminished expectations. It is the fact that, that, you know, there are those of us that love this genre enough that we're willing to put up with an awful lot of pain to get there. Um, but you know, on the other hand, you know, it's not, I didn't pay sixty bucks for endless space either, right? Uh, so it's not like somebody's trying to shove this down my throat as no triple A full price. Yeah, you could have you, know. you could have bought Distance Worlds and its expansions for like a hundred bucks, right? Yeah, it could have been a lot yeah. worse than thanks this. Matrix Games. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, no, but I, I do think at this point, like there's there's increasingly just when you're talking about games in general i think it's increasingly unimportant to talk about the cost because at this point you know so many of them are being released at discount or quickly hit a major discount that really like people like people are going to be able to figure out what it's worth to them you know from from your impressions but i think you know going going back to troy's point it's it's just that i kind of feel like the the important thing to to get people stoked about a space game really is this focus on like you know we're going to have awesome ships you're going to have amazing fleet battles with cool weapons. And, oh, well, we, we need a tech tree to go with that. So that's that's really going to be our focus. You start grafting everything else on. Yeah, and, and so yeah. you kind of get... You, you get a game that's about... You get a game that's about spaceships... And then there's these, then there's these empires that just sort of like glommed onto the spaceship to justify why it's even there and why it's shooting at this other you know spaceship design, why that matters, um, which, which does seem which does seem a, a little bit backwards because I I do think it ends up it ends up like the, again that leads to sort of a you know sort of a bland abstraction and I don't think I I, I think it actually affects. You know, in some games at least, the uh, you know playability or intelligibility of a game. I think I think good fiction. I, I think good fiction or good world building, however, you, whatever you want to call it. I think that can be a way to sort of illuminate things about the way your game works that 
aren't necessarily apparent just from sort of messing around and playing with the systems. I agree with that a little bit. I I, I still really like an endless space though. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone's here is saying that they don't like endless space. I got that from Rob a little bit. I mean, you should have seen our IM conversation. It got heated. He that's because my parentage. That's, that's because you, know. you called me a hipster for saying that civilization isn't completely abstract. So I think I called you, were, you hipster for being a hipster. To be fair, and we smell. To, our own. <laughs> to be fair, right? Uh, but but I I mean so you I mean you do bring up an interesting point, and the the part that I'm focusing on the most is that it sounds like a lot of space strategy games, deep strategy games, start in the wrong place. Um, I, I wonder, as a novice in, in this area, what what would it take to make a really good space sim again? Like, what what is missing? Is it just story and world? Or is there something else that's lacking? No, I mean, you, you can do a good space game and make it excellent just through really special mechanics, like AI War, for example, uh, which has weak, weak world building, but just such a great adaptive AI always feels like a challenge, but never feels like it's it, the UI is not great. So it takes a while to get into, but it's a really great and interesting game because it's interesting uh, mechanics. Um, it's a different type of 4X game uh, in some ways. I guess, you know, there's, I guess the question is if we're making a 4X game in general, how, and it's just sticking to the standard 4X model, you know, conquest, you conquer nodes and you build from the nodes and you construct armies from those nodes to take out other nodes. I mean, that's your basic 4X game. Um, the question is, I mean, if that's all you're doing, what else are you bringing to the table, I suppose? Now, I've not played Endless War, which is why I'm sorry this is an Endless War podcast, because I just, I just got a code like last week. I'm so far behind that uh, I'm still playing Pokemon Conquest. Um, so it's, I don't know, I mean, what would, I'm trying to think of the really good sci-fi f- uh, 4X games, and, you know, when I played Galaxy of Two, I gave it a really strong review. But you know, when I reviewed it for a CGM, but one of my comments was, you know, the universe is kind of bland. It doesn't really feel like space, except for the fact you're building ships in it. It's, the lesson of Star Trek isn't, well, the Enterprise is cool. If you're playing, if you're watching Star Trek, and your lesson is, I love the Enterprise and love the boring ships, then you're not paying attention. I guess I want a, fo- a science, a forex sci- sci-fi game that is. Because that doesn't even have to be about fleets. It doesn't have to be about ships flying back and forth and that sort of conquest. I guess I want a different type of 4X game. And science fiction games don't necessarily take the science fiction part as seriously as they do the conquest part, I suppose. Um, that's just... I mean, that, I'm, not, I'm asking for really ambitious stuff that's never going to happen. But what was, what was Ken Levine said that you know game designers only watched one TV show and read one book. Right. So, I mean, that's kind of what it feels like with science fiction 4X games. There's this entire universe out there that they're building. And I would like to see them. I'd like to see more than variations in the Federation versus the Klingons. Now, Troy and Julian, I mean, you know, in this in, in this genre is like, I guess, you know, you'd say this, this you know, in what was its golden age. Uh, when you had Master of Orion 2, um, when you had, like, the Star Control series. I mean, were they... Were they were they really nailing the flavor back then, or was it just this was you know kind of new territory and hey space? Massive Orion was full of flavor. Yeah, even so though, I mean, I, I, that's one of those things I think you have to go back and reinstall it because full of flavor is 
relative, right? I mean, I think we've become right. spoiled by triple A right. genre titles in other genres, right? So when we think of, you know, when I think of great space opera tales, none of them come anywhere in the strategy genre, right? They're, they're wing commander, or even to some extent, the single player mode of Starcraft, which had more flavor than anybody gives it credit for, right? Or the Dawn of War II single player campaign, which nobody ever played. I mean, the, those had at least good attempts at creating and building and sustaining a storyline. Um, but none of those really are, I, I don't know, that, I don't consider those really in the genre. It didn't lean on them. It had really good mechanics built into it as well that hooked you in. Like, you didn't play Starcraft because you really wanted to know what happened to Kerrigan, but you you played StarCraft yeah, but, because it was but, a but, great but, RTS. But, but this isn't about the story. You keep getting this ball again. Like, well, do you know what the story is going to end? What's going to happen? That's really not what it's about. It was, StarCraft was great world building because you had, you know, three archetypes, three brilliant archetypes. You had the technologically superior space elves. You had, you know, the infection creepy insectoids. And you had the humans in the middle with, and they were all unique and they were all different, but you could tell just by playing them, getting a sense, here are these three various races coming together and it's in space. So, you know, they're eventually empires are going to collide. And that's through the design of these races, which they borrowed heavily from a million other fictional places. I mean, that's not, I'm not going to say it's great and original. But just in that, in faction design, they did more world building than so many other strategy games do in their, in their campaign, that more than they do in their manual, just through good faction design. I mean, that's world building right there. Well, and just, to inter- I, just to interject, though, I, I, and I think, you know, if you look at the StarCraft example, it opens the door for even cooler developments like you see with StarCraft II, where, like, the StarCraft II Zerg are really creepy to watch. If you're like watching, if you're watching a multiplayer match or something, more than ever before now, the Zerg look and fight, their tactics are informed by like hive mind swarm tactics in a way that I don't even think they were in the first game. And so you get this like different experience of like a Zerg versus Terry matchup versus like Zerg versus Protoss because you have one faction's designed with okay, how do we make a how do we make a balanced versatile faction? But that agree that that aligns with the fiction we've created, and StarCraft Two is an example of the cool sort of things that that happen. You know, when you pull that off, when you create like, when you start with here's what these guys are about, how do you know, and then how do we build mechanics to suit to to suit that, and then that is going to color every single play experience you have uh, in like StarCraft Two. Okay, so like. I feel like at some point a game like Endless, I think Endless Space in particular, could get to that point because, like, I think there are some really interesting, cool factions built into the game, but the game itself is so abstract from that that you don't get to see it. Like, they're the Cravers, right? They are they're they're kind of like the Reavers from Firefly, and they they cannot do any sort of diplomacy, and they end up consuming worlds, right? Um, you have the, the, I can't remember the name of them now, but they're like clones and their entire goal is to like expand and clone everywhere. And, and there is a little bit of flavor text involved in that, in, in endless space that explains some of this out. But when you jump into the game screen, you're so far away from that that you can't see it. I mean, I, here I am coming back to like defending endless space, like my favorite game of the year so far. Right. No, I really do see a lot of the stuff that we're saying is missing. I see that in endless space. Um, and I and I see potential to even develop that further down the road. Okay, but see, I think this is this is an instructive example of fanboyism, 
because <laughs> oh no 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 I, no but but he, honestly here's my point that's that, that like that that's like I was basically just trying to you know get a rise out of you but here's what here's what I do mean with that you were being a cock is what you're saying a little bit but when you click with a game when it, when you really click with a game you are going to start to you know dig that extra layer deeper and you're going to start to I think sort of do a lot of the world building yourself like you're going to start like taking the little bit that the game gives you and then you're going to be like okay i'm going to you know i can sort of spin this out and okay now now this world makes a little sense to me because you kind of bought in but you know someone like me who who likes the game i mean i I like it but I'm, i'm a little more detached from it for me i'm not like looking for ways to get that like to forge that extra relationship like the, the, the challenge that a game like Endless Space or a game like, um, you know, a game like Elemental, uh, which is, which is an in, we should talk about that because that's, a, that's an example of world building that, you know, there's a ton of it that goes on, but it doesn't work. But the challenge these, game, the, these games have is sort of communicating that in a way that, like, here's how this matters to your play experience, and also here's why you should care. And, you know, I, I, I think games where that's done successfully... Uh, it, it comes through in a lot of different things. Though sort of, uh, you know, what Troy was saying about Rise of Legends, where you might not necessarily care about the fiction, but the fiction is sort of coloring a lot of the other experiences you're having with the game. Uh, or in a game like, you know, Alpha Centauri, maybe you do buy into the fiction, and it, and it creates the sense that you are now, like, playing a strategy game set in this really cool, interesting universe. Uh, but the, but, the, but the, those are, you know, those are varying levels of world-building success. But I, I, I do think that, you know, Done successfully, it, it, it kind of has to. It, it kind of has to reach the audience. It can't require, you know, basically, you know, making all your players like, uh, you know, improv actors, right? Where it's like, come up, come on up on stage, Corey, and help us tell the story of the Cravers and the Sowers. I, that, I almost agree. I, I I almost agree. I think I think if it does, if the game itself does connect with you, then it's easier to put those pieces together. I mean, I don't want to go out of genre on this, but I I have this exact same sort of problem with Elder Scrolls games, right? Where I don't care as much about Skyrim or Oblivion or Morrowind or whatever world, and it's because you you do at a certain point have to connect with a different part of the game before you can start really trying to pull out the story. And I can totally see that as a, as a valid complaint for Endless Space. Oh my god, I just conceded that you were right. But it's true. Right. It is true. You are right. And, and, and you are correct in saying that, like, I did buy into this game. And, and I, th- I think it, it, what it did for me, as someone who's not as familiar with the, the Space 4X genre as the rest of the panel here, it made me... It gave me a great tutorial into that system, into how these games work, it pulled me in a little bit, and then it, it immediately after my first game, it got me looking at other games in the genre, right? So now I'm I'm looking at what else is out there in the space, and well, I'm interested proceed in proceed carefully, my new. son. Well, yeah, I, I I understand that I you know I need to tread carefully. Some of these games are big giant bear traps, like Sword of the Stars too. I need to stay away from. Um, I don't think I could go back to Galsiv too. That seems like it might be too bro- too basic for me or too primitive for me from a right. um, graphic standpoint. But it, yeah, I I see what you're saying. I there was something else about this game that grabbed me and um I don't know if I need to get exactly into all of it. We again, we don't need to make it the endless space show, but if if they, if it had a stronger world built into it from the beginning, it probably would have pulled even more people in than just me. 
I, I suspect that's the case. I, I, I think that, you know, it, it, I, I think strategy is kind of deceptive because I think, I think strategy is, is a genre that sort of says, you know, it is about systems and you can slide by without doing a lot of world building. And sometimes that doesn't really even affect your enjoyment that much of the game. Like, you know, Troy, sure. when, we, when we did our Kohan show, again, yeah. I don't know who the hell these people are. I don't know what they're doing. I don't even know what they're fighting over. No, but I love terrible. that game. Yeah. And that was another right, example. Yeah. It's, it's a Rise of Legends thing. And it's, a, it's the same problem. You create this universe, and I guess there's these heroes, and they're dropping medals, and they're immortal, hence the title of the game, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, it's really about, you know, building cities and building armies and the balance of the terrain. And that's what makes it a great RTS, one of the greatest RTSs ever made. Now, if, if, but I think it had to, if it had done better world building, we might still be making Kohan games. I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, that's just one. There's a reason I think that so many RTSs that try to do new things or try to build new universes end up being just one-offs because they don't understand the delicate balance of trying to get people invested in the world instead of just making it a bunch of knights and archers killing each other, which is really what Kohan kind of comes down to. But some people are going to love the mechanics. I mean, some for us, we're nerds. I mean... You know, I'm really into terrain bonuses. Woohoo! You know, I want a Mariga terrain bonus. That's <laughs> kind of my thing. Uh, but it's there. But for other people who just like playing strategy games, um, might want to play the campaign, or someone might want to who these people kind of are. Um, I'm not saying that Endless uh, Space is a bad game. I haven't played it yet, and I may actually love it the way like AI War, even though that's kind of weak in world building. But you know, it's. There is something special about a strategy game that can make an original world because there are kind of so few of them that really pull it off. I mean, Star Control 2 does, and that it did, and that did entirely through personality of the aliens. But once again, that's not a game where you're building nodes and fleets. I mean, that's a game where you're fighting little tactical battles with the ships. I mean, it's more of a tactics game with some expansion. It's a weird strategy RPG hybrid. Uh, but so, but it, it it can be done. It has been done. I'd like to see more of it done. But you know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. A, I've, I've never been. I've never been the story guy in this show. I've never been the guy who's really invested in. Oh, I'm fascinated by this world. But there have been. There are worlds I have been fascinated by, and there have been. I think that you know, science fiction offers such a great opportunity for that. Um, I like that. Maybe I want to see more risk taking. Maybe when I load up Endless Space this week, when I'm finished taking out Nobunaga's Pikachu or whatever he has waiting for me, um, that uh, we'll, that I'll actually fall in love with it, like so many of my friends have. Um, thought I might want something more. I'm not it's saying so Rob's good. right. I'm not saying Rob's Rob not right. right. First off, Rob's not right, but it's so good. I'm, I'm pretty right. So, so good. But I, I, you know, I want to talk you, a bit, pardon? You want to talk about Elemental? Yeah, I actually wanted to talk a little bit about Elemental because there was a game that, um, you know, I mean, if if you got the press copies, uh, that that was delivered with a goddamn novel, uh, you know, in, in the box, and there there was. Are we clearly... going to discuss the quality of the novel? Like, I don't oh, know if you want to bring that up? Well, we, yeah, actually, it might not be the worst idea because maybe that is reflective a little bit why Elemental uh, as a universe falls short. Um, but so Ele- Elemental is a game that really. You know, really attempted to emphasize uh, world building. Really attempted to make uh, hell. What was the name of the world? Elementia. Oh God. I don't know. 
Yeah, <laughs> middle yeah, shit. Okay, who cares? Yeah, uh, but, but, but yeah, but the, the, the big hook was this is an original fantasy universe. Yeah. Bradlandia. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So it was it was an original fantasy universe, and uh, you you sort of join in 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 and uh, and it's. And yet, for for all the for all the background information on the different races, on um, there were the fallen, and then there were the good guys. Um, you know, I just that that world was was really indistinct, and uh, and I think more and and more dangerous, kind of bewildering. It had it had a track tree and everything. I could figure out how to play the game just fine, but what I never got a sense for is like. And, um, you know, this is something that happens to me occasionally in strategy games where I have these weird, like, existential crises when, like, <laughs> I'm playing a 4X and I'm like, I could conquer, but I do not know why I would want to. And Elemental was one of those games that made me, like, you know, like, okay, well, you're here to, like, ex- explore the world and take it over. Therefore, you must kill things. Yeah, yeah. and I was just, I, you know, like, civilization, I never question it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to destroy those Byzantine sons of bitches. But Elemental, I was just like, I don't... Why? Why would I do this? And I, I never really got over that. Like, I sort of, you know, I sort of played it, but I, but I never got a sense for, like, oh, I need to unlock this tech, or I need to do this for my, for my, for my race and, get, you know, get, these, get access to these new buildings. I need to take on this other faction. None of those questions ever had answers. They're, they're, like, I never yeah. had a strong sense of motivation, a, a hook to keep playing, despite the fact that Elemental really put in a lot of effort to give you those. Yeah, that was not a game that did, that was not a game that did not try world building. It it tried really hard to world build. And that wasn't a lack of effort there. It was a lack of execution. Um, and I guess you know, I, I wonder how much of that is tied to you know the mechanics themselves, just how terrible the interface was, how bad a lot of the figure the character art was, you know, distinguishing one ugly king from another. It had this dynastic marriage mechanic but it didn't apply so that someone else's king died your heir you could inherit their throne or something but it didn't apply to you because you just played your character so when you died it didn't matter and the game was over so it was they had this sort of in-game diplomatic function that only applied one way so it was which didn't really fit the fiction of dynastic marriages i guess so this is and the tech tree oh my god the tech tree was such so poorly laid out and semi-random, um, that you you really didn't get a f- it took me forever to figure out uh, or to just to remember which races got which technologies and which of them were just mirror images and which ones were unique to the bad guys or the good guys. Um, to, I mean, yeah, how do you die? I mean, what do you do with someone who builds a world and then can't tell you about it? Avoid the game. Well, yes, we've yeah. fallen enchant. We have fallen enchantress coming up soon. So, from Mr. Right, Fall from Heaven guy. Right. Uh, okay, we've had Derek. Derek Paxton. Derek Paxton. Right. Right, and I, and I don't know. I think that that is that is curious. It is. It's tough to separate. You know, the things that went wrong with 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 Elemental. Like, is it just the game didn't work right, or or was the fiction not engaging? Probably some combination of the two, but. You know, I, I I I kind of feel like you know you, you sort of you sort of hit on it there, Corey, when when you said when you talked about the quality of the novel, um, you know it, you know d- without getting into like you know the 
you know, literary merits of Brad Wardell. Uh, what 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 struck me though during the during the novel is is that there was kind of this um and I, and I think this actually happens in, in a fair number of of forex uh, of strategy universes or or even or any game world where it it's happens like in this, games yes where it's like yeah. this is super original and super cool and you've never heard anything like this and you're sitting there being like well actually I've heard a lot like this. You know, world building what, is hard. Ask, and I, I swear, ask any game designer or game builder or Ken Levine, you know, size titan in the industry. Like world building is hard, and yep. and you're, it's very tough to come up with anything that's new or unique or or interesting that's going to grab someone so deeply. That's why so many strategy games do take a lot of flavor from other places. You know, Starcraft takes flavor from other places, and it's in the execution. That's where the story comes from. Uh, not necessarily. Oh my God, the Zerg are so unique. I mean, we've seen yeah. Zerg-like creatures in science fiction for years. Sure, it's it's about the execution, and yeah, I I don't know. I I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to jump up and down Elemental that much, to be honest. Yeah, um, no, I understand. I have high hopes for the new game. Yeah, it would be nice to see you know the promise of Elemental finally delivered on. You're still wrong about endless space. I, I'm I'm pretty right. But uh, <laughs> I, I do think you know the the one last thing I wanted to touch on, I guess, would be uh, you know sort of the the Warhammer universe, uh, just because I, I have sort of a vague fascination with uh, with the Warhammer universe. But also, I think I think it's really interesting because I don't know I don't know exactly how this happened. And I you probably, someday Troy we're gonna have to do a forty k show and just like look at this universe and and the games that have spun off yeah. of it. Uh, but the weird thing about 40k is if you look at pretty much anything in isolation, it's you know, or or even or even the old world, you look at anything in isolation, it's kind of ridiculous. But for some reason, it's got like this ecosystem of, of games and source books and novels and video games. And so each of the each of these each of these games is able to sort of leverage the other other parts of the uh, you know. Warhammer constellation of products, and just ridiculous shit ends up seeming pretty cool. And I think you know, like if you look at the uh, you know relics Warhammer games, uh, you, you see something similar at work, where it's like you've got these ridiculously overwrought like space marine like um, you know barks. You know, hope is the first step on the road to disappointment. And I hear that, and I'm like, oh yes, this is this is Warhammer, fantastic. And you're asking why why does Warhammer get a pass when so many other people have tried to build worlds that take from a lot of the same sources and fail? Yeah, a little bit. Um, Julian, you're I mean, I have a, I have a theory. Right? To be fair, I don't I don't know if I'm correct in my theory, but well, no, it's simply... I, I, I I mean, yes, I have I have read a bunch of the Warhammer fiction. I've played the game. I own you know way too much little plastic metal figures in the basement. Um, and, and I do think that they created a world specifically to be over the top enough to, to put their characters in that they wanted to game with. And that's a, that's a unique thing. And I actually can't think of a single other, uh, sort of fictional franchise that has successfully done what Warhammer 40 K has done, right? Because they, they created a world in which it makes sense to have guys in thousand pound armor running around, 
fighting orcs in space, <laughs> you know, because that's the game they wanted to play. And they built the world around the game they wanted to play, and they just kept layering it on and layering it on. And and we probably have to thank the British for this, because I think, honestly, without their, the sort of British passion for the absurd, you know, witness <laughs> Monty Python and everything else, yeah. it never would have happened, right? And, and I think that that level of acceptance of, well, of course it makes sense to have a guy in thousand-pound armor beating up an orc in space— uh, we wouldn't have that universe and it's it's ridiculous it's stupid but it's also rich and interesting and full of of you know incredibly broad strokes that make sense in context and i think that always is what i get back to on this mm-hmm. these worlds that are built for our games have to make sense in the context of their games and you know very often that doesn't happen. I mean you th- I mean we're way off the genre topic but you think about one of the major problems with Star Wars the Old Republic was BioWare created some really awesome stories and interesting games that actually didn't make all that much sense as Star Wars stories. Right? And that they were set in Star Wars but they didn't feel like Star Wars stories. And that's when these things can go horribly wrong. That's a really good point. That's you know, I, I, yeah, I had not actually give, I'd actually not not looked at it from that angle, but I, I think that's a really good point. I think that sort of speaks to, um, you know, what you brought up earlier, Troy, about the, you know, a lot of forex games start with, you know, the fleets, the ships, but what they don't do is like, you know, they, they don't they don't go to the work of creating necessarily a universe for like why are the, you know, why are these types of uh, why are these types of units running around blasting away at each other? It's almost like you know, well, shit, this looks really cool on the this re- this looks really cool on the <laughs> sketch, so we're gonna put it in the game, and it can go with the uh, the race of the you know positrons. That's a thing, right? Uh, so so the the evil positrons who are trying to rule the galaxy and the vorlocks. Um, you know, they have these different ships, and here you go. And and I do think, and I do, I do think Warhammer's, yeah, War, you're exactly right. I think Warhammer does start from this place of like, well, we need to get this Space Marine dude into a game. Right, right. They built the game, and then they figured out a fiction that worked. And in that case, I think it actually works. Right. I mean, and honestly, you you brought up the you know shadow of Ken Levine, right? I mean, I think he's sort of notorious for writing the story last in his game process right and i think that actually makes for really great game stories because by then the story makes sense for the game because the game's locked Corey, you mentioned you had a theory about uh the warhammer universe yourself uh, you guys actually hit on it no you can skip that part <laughs> oh no oh did i steal your thunder cory bear that's all right you i, I think you'd fallen asleep there for a while so it's okay <laughs> Troy, Troy and I were stepping all over you, so. Yeah, we're good. In conclusion, play Endless Space. Yeah, pretty much. I guess overall, though, I mean, you know, we've been talking about, we've been talking about, you know, fiction all this time, but what we've been circling around is is kind of how much does does fiction really matter? Like, does it... You know, if if you design a game that's good enough, uh, you know, fun enough to play, does it really matter what what the flavor is built around it, or does you know world building offer something? You know, is world building something that should be made a priority when you're creating a a strategy game in a fictional universe, or are you just better off really focusing on just making the game good, and you know, if if you know if you can 
do world if you can bake world building in, uh, great. But it's 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 not necessarily that important. I mean, it's, it's a cop out, but you know, it kind of depends on what your goals are. I mean, if you say that what you want your game to be, I mean, if you just want it to be a bunch of bland mechanics and they're really really great mechanics, you can get away with it. Uh, but I think that you know, increasingly, especially now, uh, with modern gamers, I kind of mechanics aren't quite enough. I used to be a really hardcore mechanics guy. It's all about the game. It's all about the game. Blah blah blah. But uh, increasingly, I've come to the conclusion. You know, Kirk Hamilton's written really well on this. That video games are music. They're not just math. And music means you've got to have lyrics. Uh, to have a, a song has to have lyrics, so it's going to work. And all the instruments have to play together, and that's what a video game is. And I think increasingly gamers expect some sort of story or universe or world buy-in for them. And that's kind of the, those, those are kind of the song lyrics that people are expecting in games. Um, I think strategy games can be better with good world building. Do they need them? No, of course not. No more than... A good, a good platformer, need, you need to tell me why Mario's jumping through pipes. I mean, I don't really need to know why he's jumping through pipes or where the pipes came from or why the mushrooms walk. I mean, that's not something I need to know. Uh, but Mario is actually pretty good world building when you think about it because you don't have to explain any of it. I don't need the backstory to it. But it's a universe and you understand things when they start doing things to you. And you can from that get shitty movies and shitty cartoons but you can't say Mario isn't world building, um, and I think increasingly. Do you guys ever there's... think about? You guys ever think about how Pac-Man ended up in, trapped in that place with those ghosts and those? those <laughs> I'm I mean, I'm waiting for I'm waiting for the Michael Bay movie. But you know, but video game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Troy wins the podcast. Nicely done. Nicely video, done. Video games are different now. Um, they, they they aren't just about they aren't just about mechanics anymore. And I think that with all the technology at our disposal um, and the fact that people have grown up with science fiction and have grown up with fantasy and have grown up with worlds, uh, that they kind of have built in an expectation of this. Um, whether it's reasonable or not, I don't know. I still love really great mechanical games, but I also like games that take me to new places. Fair enough. Yeah, I was, you know, as I was right, as I was finishing up my review for Endless Space, I, I made a comment on Twitter that... Uh, you know, because I actually I brought up Alpha Centauri in my review, and I kind of felt like an asshole for bringing that up, right? Because it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like, well, you know, why can't you be more like your brother, the lawyer? You know, it, it, it's kind of like that. We're like, well, why can't you be? Hey, Endless Space, why can't you be one of the greatest 4X games ever made? Why can't you be more like that? You know, all-time genre-defining <laughs> classic. The hell is wrong with you? But you know. At the same time, I, you know, I think part of it is, yeah, expectations. Expectations have changed. We've, we, we've, you know, we, we, we've seen more games do this, right? And I do kind of feel like, you know, if you look at a game like Elvis Centauri, this was this was what what nineteen nine early ninety nine that it came out. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's been a really long time, and you know, it it did sort of it, it is sort of a genre defining game, and I and I think, you know, as you as you. You know, if you're stepping into these genres, and this is not to say Endless Space is a bad game. You know, I gave it I gave it a good review, and and we we may talk about Endless Space more down the road because we haven't really discussed how it actually works at all. The, the game. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but that is key. I think that's really important. It's, it's a, because it's a, you're going to come away from this thinking Endless Space is a bad game, and it's actually a great game. Yeah, it, it's actually quite. It, yeah, it's it, it's very very good. Um, 
but it, it, it's just that you know it it, it does it does sort of make the, it does sort of make the difference it, it makes a difference at least for me in terms of engagement you know like alpha centauri is a game that i found myself coming back to you know every couple years and it's not just because it's a great strategy game you know i think if i if you were just to isolate like the game elements of it i'd probably have walked away from alpha centauri around the time that you know civ 4 came out but it's 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 the idea of of being this sort of like fertile place for the imagination sort of a thought-provoking universe that keeps me coming back uh, you know, just the same way that you were talking about earlier, Troy, where, like, if Kohan had done a better job of selling you on the exciting drama of the Kohans, uh, you know, maybe maybe there'd be more of them. Maybe people would have, would have found a place to stand in that universe. Um, because, you know, while mechanics are great, I, I do think you just, you expand your appeal, you, 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 you hook people a lot more if, if those mechanics are, you know, are you know sort of interlocking with with a theme a setting that people find really exciting? Yeah, I think we should make a, we're, not, I'm, I'm, we're not saying your game needs a really great backstory because I have no interest in backstory, and world building and backstory are not the same thing. Right, right. Backstory so, is yeah, yeah. A lot of games suffer from too many backstory, too much backstory, and not enough world building. Actually, yes. Uh, but yeah, so that's. I don't know. That's that's kind of where where I where where I've I've, I've landed on that topic. It'll, you know, it'll probably change though, because you know what you value in games is always changing. But uh, anyway, that that about does it for our topic. Uh, Corey, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I love this show. Couldn't tell from the way you're being a complete dick to me the entire episode. I, I like the show. <laughs> I like the show, not you. That was beautiful. You and I are still mortal emissies and uh, enemies and nemesis. All right, fantastic. Uh, Say good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.